Thank you for tuning in. We are Embedded Insiders. I am Laura Dolan, Technology Editor for Embedded Computing Design. I'm here with Rich Nass, Executive Vice President of OSM, Brandon Lewis, Editor-in-Chief of Embedded Computing Design, and Alex Pulse, our Senior Technology Editor. And today, uh, we are going to discuss the topic of the 50th anniversary of the moon landing, if you guys can believe it. Yeah, I was... Uh... A very small child, very, very small child, younger yeah. than the seven years old I was. I can't believe it because I, I didn't even, I wasn't around for it. Yeah, I wasn't either. <laughs> <laughs> I very, very vaguely remembered. I was actually four years old, and oh. I sort of remember my parents watching it on their round television screen, but uh, it's a it's a very distant memory. You know, yeah, the I, thing about the moon landing is, you know, it says something um, a lot about not only how technology's changed from then to now, but also how our society's changed. Um, you know, I, I feel like I have this sense from my parents and my grandparents that there was a really strong sense of nationalism around NASA, and, um, you know, it felt like the entire country was working uh, towards uh, these these goals, um, you know, with the Apollo programs. Um, and now, obviously, our space program has been uh, cut significantly, um, and, and it's really turned into the commercial uh, sector to the private sector, rather, to sort of drive forward the innovation there. So it, it's a nice little juxtaposition, and maybe it's worth looking at some of the tech that was around then and some of the tech that maybe is going to be around uh, in the years to come. You know, it's funny the way that you summarize that. Uh, I'm down here in Florida. I'm actually pretty close to um, Kennedy Space Center on uh, over on Cape Canaveral, and there's a like a rebirth of of all that stuff. There are startups popping over all over the neighborhood here with people who who want to get in into that program. Uh, they're sending up satellites and other stuff pretty much on a monthly basis now. It's actually pretty cool. There's a lot going on. There's a lot going on right now. For example, in the Lorawan community, they're popping microsatellites up for. Internet of Things, so I can imagine what's going on in some of the other spaces when you think of um, everything from agriculture to, well, defense, I guess. Yeah, it's sort of, um, you know, back back then um, when, we were, when we were launching all of these Apollo missions, um, obviously the technology has changed significantly since then. Um, we, I think we've spoken recently about um, the reusable rockets that we see at SpaceX, um, and some other sorts of technologies that may help, um, you know, daisy chain us out to Mars, you know, beyond the moon. Um, but do you think, uh, Rich, that any of those startups that you're seeing out in, uh, the, in the Cape Canaveral area um, are doing anything interesting, or are you just uh, waiting and seeing what they're, uh, you know, how much they're going to make your rent increase? No, I I do think that they're doing interesting things. A lot of it has has to do with the uh, the Elon Musk venture. Um, the other thing around it is that uh, Embry Riddle University, which is in air, which is like one of the premier aeronautical universities in the country, is also here, and uh, and and they're doing a lot of partnerships with the university. So I I, I do think they are for real. Very cool, because I mean when you start seeing that type of development, I think you really can see the future of it. Because I do believe it's a, in one sense it's a little. Um, a little bit let down to see less government support, but on the other hand, I think it's 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 important and it's a critical shift to go to commercial because only with commercial will we see true, uh, well, commercialization, as it were. 
Alex, you had written a piece uh, for our website. It's on there right now uh, about the moon landing 50th anniversary and what it meant for product technology. And uh, you touched on um, things like photography and timekeeping and uh, the actual like materials um, that went into the suit itself. Um, is there anything that you can like highlight from those and where you think the future is going with that with those kind of technologies? Well, um, the funny thing is, is that uh, I would say the French statement, plus de change, plus de même chose, which means the more things change, the more they say the same. So since you gave me the opportunity, and those who know me know I'm a watch person, I would point out the fact that mechanical watches will always have a role in adventurism because there are times when you cannot trust the equipment around you, and a mechanical solution is always the best bet. You know, the uh, during the Apollo 13 disaster, the, the astronauts had to use their mechanical watches to time the rocket burns to get them home. So wow. I would say going forward, re always remember that not that you always need some kind of uh, functional backup to whatever system you're creating, especially when it comes to a space system. Excellent point. Very excellent point. No, I mean it doesn't have to necessarily be me mechanical, but it does have to be a backup that is pretty. Poof. Yep. You know, speaking of uh, timekeeping and sort of extending on from the moon landing, uh, one of my favorite topics is physics and, uh, you know, just cosmology in general. Um, and recently I've been learning a little bit more about atomic clocks, which is something that obviously um, people who work in the embedded and especially networking industry are aware that. Uh, you know, oscillators and, you know, atomic clocks are something that can be used in niche applications. Um, Alex, do you think that um, the increase in our ability to keep time um, is going to help move forward some of the uh, space exploration endeavors that we, that we have uh, coming up here in the next 5, 10, 20 years? Well, I think improved timekeeping systems help every application space. A lot of people forget that the GPS satellite system is just an atomic clock on a satellite going, this is the time. And a GPS system on Earth triangulates these different time chops from the orbiting satellites and triangulates on Doppler effect where you are. I mean, you think about that level of sophistication. Uh, uh, and the newer generations of clocks, and because, I mean, obviously we've got atomic clocks which are very, very accurate, but then you can get even more accurate, but I think it's more important that we, the accuracy that we can put in edge applications, going back to uh, something Rich said in the previous podcast, is we're putting so much intelligence out at the uh, edge, the more sophisticated timing systems that we can put at the edge will increase the, the functionality of those systems, so the, so the fact that we can now we now have chip scale atomic clocks. We didn't have them 20 years ago. You can actually put something that has almost perfect timing in a box the size of a toaster, and then it can serve your application, whatever that application may be. So, um, in the case of space travel, obviously timing is navigation, so you're going to be more accurate. But timing is navigation in every application, from military to FedEx delivering your package on time. So uh, more intelligent timing systems can only benefit the industry because it's not so much about having the accurate timing, it's having the accurate timing at the point of the application. Did you yeah. actually say physics is one of my favorite topics? It is. <laughs> <laughs> I like physics too. See, uh, I, I, 
I'm a I'm a literature major, so I like talking yeah. about it. I don't act like actually practicing it. Ah. Okay. You made some really good points there, Alex. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd be really interested to see um, if uh, members of the community, um, especially those who are working on advanced timing solutions, um, have anything to comment or say um, on this topic and what the, where the direction of the uh, industry is going. And then, you know, maybe even perhaps have, have one of the uh, chip scale guys on um, and, and give us the uh, a peek into the future. Well, you know, there. A lot, I don't know how many people know there is a network timing spec in the industry. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, um, I, I believe it's what eighty fifteen eighty eight. I triple e fifteen eighty eight deals with uh, timing. Mm-hmm. Precision time protocol. Yeah. You know, see, so I think a, a lot of it is awareness uh, that. And, well, I mean, let's even go to, to something as simple as jitter. If my digital signals are better timed, I'm going to have less jitter issues, aren't I? Yep, exactly. So I, th- so I, think, it's, I, think, it's, I think it's time for a, a greater awareness of timekeeping. But don't throw away your mechanical watch. <laughs> Especially since it's probably worth money. If it's a, if it, oh, which reminds me, Omega, the people who make the Speedmaster, uh, they came out with a 50th anniversary uh, version of the watch that shows in the uh, 9 o'clock sub-dial an engraved gold image of uh, Neil Armstrong descending the uh, lander leg. Actually, it's Buzz Aldrin because that Neil Armstrong took the photograph, but everybody assumes it's the first guy coming down the ladder in the image. Are you trying to get your hands on one of those? Well, Rich, Rich can probably swing one of those things, you know, being Mr. Big Boss Guy. I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm a watch hobbyist, so I, I forego food for watches, so I can say I save up for mine. But, uh, you know, the average person, if they put their mind to it, can pick up a nice piece of classic history like that. And since we're and talking no, 50th like anniversaries, <laughs> I have to put in a plug for the 1969 New York Miracle Mets. Oh, man. I roll. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm from Queens. I'm from Queens. You gotta love the Mets. There you go. All right. Well, with all that said, let's see if all this technology can get us to land on Mars next. That'd be really cool to see. Or even just back the moon. Yeah, get on the moon again. (laughs) Well, I think we need a moon base. We do. I think we do need a moon base to have a functional Mars effort because uh, the moon can be such a great staging area and an inexpensive launch site. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Exciting stuff. Yes, we will. Well, yep. Exciting you. stuff. And uh, you can go to our website and check out Alex's article. Um, it is called The Moon Landing 50th Anniversary and What It Means for Product Technology. Very timely, timely topic. Well, having just touched on atomic clocks and how important it is for aerospace and aeronautical technology, um, I want to touch on some news that Microchip has just released. Um, they have come up with the MHM 2020. It's their hydrogen maser atomic clock, and it improves uh, typical long-term stability performance by nearly 10 times over their previous generation, which was the MHM 2010. Um, this one will offer an upgraded user experience with a color touch panel display and secure network management port. Very cool. Um, atomic clocks, obviously, as we as we said before. Uh, behind a lot of really high-end, sophisticated applications. Um, so it's interesting to see uh, what Microchip will continue doing, especially given 
um, their increased emphasis on some of those aerospace uh, applications and verticals uh, with the acquisition of Microsemi, who of course has a rad hard portfolio. So right. good stuff. Uh, good stuff there. Yeah, it's really cool. And then um, I want to touch on Scilabs, uh, Silicon Labs 5G Ready Jitter uh, Attenuators. Um, they have just released their line of SI539X Jitter Attenuators with a fully integrated reference, um, and it allows the devices to address reference clock requirements of 100G network designs. Yeah, so um, those Jitter Attenuators are uh, basically um, a stepping stone towards 5G networks. Um, as you as you mentioned, uh, they're gonna they have an integrated reference and really help push towards uh, 112G certies. Um, those are connectors that are going to be used in a lot of the 5G infrastructure. So uh, faster speeds obviously require more precise timing, and Silicon Labs is doing that 5G network infrastructure uh, with these jitter attenuators. Yeah, it should really benefit the ASICs and SOFPGAs out there. So it's cool that's where the technology is headed. Very good. That's it up for today. What do you think? Brandon, uh, in. Until next time, we are Embedded Insiders.